All right, uh, boys and girls of the yeshiva, Magen David, Parashat Vayikash. If you're here today, consider yourselves lucky. I have a life lesson to teach you. You'll thank me today. You'll thank me in 50 years. This idea changed my life for the better. And it's actually built from the Pirasha. You see, Yosef was wronged by his brothers. Now, I know the brothers were Satikim. We don't judge the Shivatim, but you could imagine the brothers took Yosef, they ganged up on him, threw him into a, a pit, a bore that we know was empty from water. That's the only thing it didn't have in it. It had snakes and scorpions, which is, by the way, instant death. Snakes and scorpions are not the most hospitable and kind and friendly of creatures. They don't usually like humans uh, cramping their space. And they figure they'll throw them into the pit, one bite from a snake, one dirty look from a scorpion, and that'll be the end of him. As we know, they end up changing the plan, retrieving him from the pit, which is traumatic experience. You probably need therapy for 50 years after that. And then they decide to sell him to Egypt as a slave. So he's going down to Mitzrayim in very uh, dire conditions. He becomes a slave in the house of Potiphar. That didn't work out so good. Because before you know it, he's falsely accused for a crime that he didn't commit. And because of that, he's thrown into an Egyptian prison. I cannot imagine what an Egyptian prison looked like 3,000 years ago. It could not have been a country club. There were no tennis courts and workout rooms in these prisons. It had to be subterranean, underground, I mean, this is a Gehinam on earth, and he has to live out a sentence, if he could survive it, 10 years. And we all know that after 10 years, there was an additional two years added to a sentence. 12 years in Egyptian jail. And who did this to him? The brothers. Now, it ends up working out in the sense that Yosef rises to fame, he gets out, he interprets some dreams to Paro, and before you know it, he ends up becoming the second most powerful man in Egypt and probably the second most powerful man in the world. Paro basically says, I'm the king, but listen to Yosef. Whatever he says goes. And everybody has to come and get food on Yosef's word. Nice. But that doesn't erase what happened to him. He still got thrown into a pit. He still was thrown into jail. He still was falsely convicted of a crime he didn't do. That's in his life. That's part of his story. And now, many years later, the famine kicks in and Yosef's giving out the food and who's standing in front of him? His brothers. The 10 brothers. Benjamin was still back at home. Yosef is a brother, he has 10 in front of him. Now if you're Yosef, 
you have over here what I would call golden opportunity to do something that Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato writes in Mesilai Gisharim is sweeter than honey. What is sweeter than honey in this world? Taking revenge. Or as we say in the yeshiva, getting even. Or as they say in the vernacular, now it's time to settle the score. Yosef is in the best position to take retribution against his brothers. And who could stop him? He's the most powerful man. If I was Yosef, good thing I wasn't. But if I was Yosef, I would say, ah, ha, <laughs> you want food? Well, let me just give you a secret before uh, I deal with you. I'm Yosef. And uh, I didn't forget what you did to me. I still have bruises for when you threw me in the pit. By the way, we have pits in Egypt with snakes and scorpions. Come, my dear brothers, let's get a little taste of what it feels like to be thrown into a pit with snakes and scorpions. And I would have taken one by one, Reuven, Shimon, and maybe give them each one their own pit. And you'd hear them screaming, and Yosef would stand on them and say, Ah, you see? Now you know how I felt. And the Messiah Shalim writes that when one takes revenge, he feels redeemed. And he feels liberated. You know, I got him. And then he could say, well, now I want you to feel what it's like to be a slave. And after that, I'm going to throw you in jail for 12 years. And then uh, we'll continue the seder of revenge. Does Yosef do any of this? Has Meshalom. The tzaddik doesn't take revenge. On the contrary, what Yosef does eventually to the brothers and says, don't worry about it. It turned out for the best. Although you tried to harm me, all's well that ends well. Look, look, what, look what happened to me today. I'm the viceroy of Egypt. So therefore, although your intention might have been malicious or negative, you were malintended, but Baruch Hashem worked out. And everybody will say, which I didn't come to talk about today, although it's worth a discussion in itself. What gives Yosef that ability to just let it go? Because he believes everything is from Hashem. And if you believe everything is from Hashem, it's not the brothers that did anything to you. Nobody can do anything to you. Nobody can take a dollar from you. Nobody can harm you. Nobody can do anything unless Hashem decrees. Now, Yosef, who is a man of faith, says, if this happened to me, this is all from God. The brothers are just the tool. The brothers are just the instrument of God. So it's not them, it's Hashem. And therefore, I can't get angry at Hashem. You, you're nothing. You didn't do anything to me. Hashem preordained this for whatever reason. I needed to get punished, I needed to make a tikkun, I needed to get, go through a difficult time for my own personal whatever reason. Therefore, I have no claims against you. This is between me and God, good luck. That's the simple reason why Yosef was able to move forward. But now the golden advice. By Yosef letting the brothers go and not taking revenge, answer the question, who was the biggest beneficiary? Who benefited the most 
out of this situation by Yosef saying, don't worry about it. Yosef foregoing the revenge, who benefited the most? Answer. You're answering good. Trick question, boys got it right, girls got it right. I would have said, who benefited the most? The brothers. I mean, they could have been victimized. They got saved. They didn't get thrown into a pit. They didn't get thrown into jail. <laughs> the brothers could go like this. Whew, that was a close one. But I will tell you today, the biggest beneficiary of Yosef not taking revenge is Yosef. And let me tell you why. There was a big rabbi called Rabbi Abraham Tversky. Alaba Shalom, he passed away years ago, he was a doctor. He wrote over 50 books on psychology, on teaching us how people think. And he has a whole essay on revenge and resentment and holding grudges and holding things and being angry and holding things inside and burning inside. And he says there have been studies that people who don't know how to let things go and just forget and move on, it's damaging to their health. Ulcers, heart attack, stroke, migraine headaches. So I ask you, when somebody's holding a grudge, who is he hurting? He's only hurting himself. And Rabbi Tversky compared Holding a grudge and resenting somebody else, it's like taking a poison, thinking the other person's gonna die. And that's not true. The fact that you're bubbling and percolating inside does nothing to the person that you hate. It's only making you sick and upset and nervous and unhealthy. So the biggest beneficiary of letting things go and changing your attitude is yourself. Now let me tell you a story to prove it. I feel bad, boys and girls, you never met the great Sadiqim that I met. But I'll bring them to you, to the yeshiva, the ones that are alive today, because there's a lot of them that you have to meet. And I'm going to make sure that as long as you're in the yeshiva, that Sadiqim are going to come to meet you. I want your eyes to see the Sadiqim. I want you to connect. But there was a great Sadiq that passed away three years ago, his name is Rabbi Eliezer ben David. My opinion, he was one of the most clever men that I ever met. And this rabbi, people always go to him for advice. He had smart advice. We don't say the right things. So there was a guy in Argentina. And he was swindled by his partner in business. His partner stole a lot of money from him. And it was a big case and it was a big fight, and all, all the community, the Syrians in Argentina, they were all talking about it. It was front page news, the community. And the guy was burning. He couldn't get over it. How did he do this to me? And it's many years later. And all the guys doing this, it's so bad. And it just it was eating him up alive. So his friend said, Rabbi Eliezer ben David's in town. Why don't you go talk to the rabbi? He said, what is he going to tell me? The guy tricked me, he cheated me, he can't undo that, he can't change that, I'm out all this money, it's injustice, it's not right, it's not fair, what do you care, just go to the rabbi, if he doesn't help you, he doesn't help you, but maybe. So he goes to Rabbi Elizabeth David, he says, tell me the story, my partner, 
we were close like this, we were closer than brothers. And under my nose, he stole everything from the bank account. He left me down and out. That, that shot me. So Rabbi Ben David said, what are you coming to me for? He says, well, I don't know. And they told me you can give me advice. He said, yeah, I have advice. But I hope you'll take it. He says, that partner of yours, don't go to the movies with him anymore. He says, what? Don't go to the movies with him anymore? You think I'd go to the movies with him? I want him dead. Well, I have some more advice also. Don't take him for dinner anymore. Dinner? I hope the guy chokes on what he eats. Taking him for dinner? I'm not taking him for dinner. What kind of dumb advice is this? You think I'm taking him for dinner? He says, and the last advice is, enough. No more vacations with him. Vacations? Are you kidding? Vacations? So Rabbi Ben David turns to him and says, every time you go to the movies with your wife, you're taking him with you because you're thinking about him and you're not enjoying the moment. And every time you go for dinner with your wife, he's there with you. And you're not enjoying the dinner because you're taking him with you. And every time you go on vacation with your wife, he's there. And therefore you're ruining your life. You have no more leisure time. You have no more fun time. Because wherever you go, you're taking him with you. Leave him home. He's hurting you. The man said that was the best advice I ever got. I wasn't taking him physically, but he was living in my mind rent-free. And he spoiled every moment that I had. And that's a great lesson. You're right, the one that you don't take revenge from benefits, but the one that lets things pass and changes the attitude, he or she benefits the most. So yes, the brothers walk out and they dodge the big bullet, but Yosef is the winner in that confrontation because he's able to move on. He doesn't have a stomach ache, he doesn't lose sleep, and when he's sitting at a party, he's not grinding his teeth, thinking about what those brothers did. It's done, it's over, it's forgotten, go forward. He doesn't let the brothers ruin his life more than they did already. It's enough what they did. Why allow them to ruin the rest of the life? And that's a lesson for the yeshiva. I'm sorry to tell you, I'm a little older than you, you're going to get wronged in life. It happens. Sometimes it happens to people that you least expected, people that you thought were your friends. Sometimes things are not always justice. And you're gonna have a feeling to say, I'm gonna get him back. And you're gonna to wanna to taste the sweet honey of revenge. And I will tell you, don't, succumb to that temptation because it might be sweet but it'll hurt you because as long as you have that pent-up anger inside of you it'll only ruin your quality of life going forward let it go you know there was there was a Jew in Auschwitz his name was Frankel 
He eventually wrote a book on psychology. And he writes about his experience in Auschwitz, the concentration camp. And he noticed that in the camp, he was one of them, he would go around and give hizuk, encouragement to the inmates that were contemplating suicide. And you can't blame them. They were in H-E-L-L, on earth. They were in the seventh level of Gehinam, so they wanted to just check out. And this Viktor Frankl would go to the inmates and he would give them hizuk. There'll be a better day tomorrow. You have a reason to live. You have a purpose. There's something ahead of us. We'll get out. Don't do it. Don't let them. And he came to the conclusion when somebody asked him, you know, how do you have the strength to give hizuk in such a place that's so desolate from anything? And he said, the Nazis took away everything from me. They took away my clothes. They took away my food. We're living like rats and animals, subhuman conditions. They took away our dignity as humans. But there's one thing that the Nazis can't take away from us. And that's our attitude. The way we respond to this, they don't control. We control the way we respond. And therefore, I'm not going to let them tell me how I should respond. Therefore, I'm going to respond with positivity. I'm going to respond with encouragement. And I'm going to what they call in psychology today to reframe the event. An event that looks very, very negative, I will reframe it to look at the positive side. And Yosef HaSadik is the first one to do this. He looks at a very negative event and he says, the brothers did this to me and they did that to me and they did the other. But one thing they can control, the way I perceive it and my attitude and my reaction. I control my reaction, not them. And I'm gonna choose to react with faith. And I'm not going to let them go because I'm weak. Seth wasn't weak at all. It's the strong position to let something go. It's the weak position to react. Because that's what they call in, you learned probably in, in, in science, Pavlov. That's the natural reaction. When a cat sees a mouse, it's natural for it to chase it. The natural reaction is to want to take revenge. That's a weak position. The strong position is to hold it back. But not only for what it will do to the person that you're resisting temptation to revenge, what it does to you. Take that lesson, boys and girls. Those that harmed you, God forbid, those that you feel treated you unjustly, don't let them live in your brain. Don't take them to your sporting events. Don't take them to your leisurely events. Don't bring them into the classroom. Don't bring them into your bedroom. Don't bring them to your home. You're not hurting them. By stewing and burning, you're not hurting them at all. They're out having fun. And you're only hurting yourself. Your attitude is controlled by yourself. And to me, that is the greatest lesson. We are the children of Yosef. Yosef ka'atena. The Gemara says we all come from the Zena of Yosef, whether it's direct or from the attitudes that Yosef contributed to our people. And this attitude 
of not taking the Kama is one of the greatest life lessons that we could learn. Go with this idea. Be happy, be positive, be forgiving, let things go, and Be'ezat Hashem, we will be the better for it. Shabbat Shalom and